Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. If God came to you and said, ask what I shall give you. In other words, I will give you anything you want. Just ask it. What would you ask for? Some of you would be like, well, I'm going to ask for three wishes, like the genie of the lamp and Aladdin. Or some of you would ask, well, I'm going to ask for endless wishes <laughs> or uh I'm going to ask for three wishes, and then my third wish, I'm going to ask for another wish, and then endless wishes, and I can't ever run out of wishes, and it'll be awesome, and I'll just have everything I want. Would you ask for money? Would you ask for a bag of gold, and the gold never ran out? I mean, this is God. God comes to you and says, hey, if you could have anything you want, what would you want? And I'll give it to you. Well, in reality, there is one man who God came to and said, ask me what you want and I will give it to you. You know who that was? That was a man named King Solomon. And at the beginning of his reign, God came to him. Solomon began to reign about the age of 20, and if you remember last week, he took over from his dad, David, and he established the throne. He had to kill some people along the way, but he is now firmly established king of Israel. And we find him here in 1 Kings chapter 3. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see that Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. Now, as we go through the book of 1 Kings, and as we go through the rest of the history of Israel, we're going to see king after king after king. And some are good, who love the Lord and walk in his ways, but there are some who are bad, who choose to depart from God 
and, and to walk away from him. And the book of First Kings is all about the monarchy and, and looking at these kings and their heart for and after God. And it's a fascinating history of them interacting with the people and the prophets. And we're going to hit some cool stories. Well, it begins with Solomon, who is now king. And he is sacrificing at a high place, it says. And the most popular or the most significant high place in Israel at that time was a place called Gibeon. See, the Canaanites, who the Israelites came and took the land from, they would offer sacrifices to their gods at these high places. And these were pagan centers. These were not good. They would worship other gods there. It was bad. Well, the Israelites started to do that themselves, but instead of worshiping the other gods in these high places, they would worship to Yahweh. One of the reasons why they did that is because, well, I'm just going to follow the pattern of the culture around me. And the pattern of the culture around them at the time was to find the highest spot that you could reach reasonably because you're trying to get to your God and your God's in the sky. So I got to get high up there, a high place. Well... This is a sign that this probably isn't totally right, and we're sort of mixing in some pagan ideas here, but they are worshiping Yahweh. They're worshiping the one true God. But you know what? We need a temple, don't we? We need to get rid of these high places. These are fashioned for other gods, and we need to maybe start building our, our own temple to worship God, to centralize worship where we could come and bring our sacrifices. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that temple hasn't been built yet. David tried to, and he built a tabernacle out of tents, and it's really cool to look at, and it had specific dimensions. If you ever look up a drawing of the tabernacle that David built to house the Ark of the Covenant... And the Ark of the Covenant was basically where the presence of God dwelt. Now remember, God is everywhere. He can be anywhere. He is omnipresent. But when he came to talk to his people and to be with his people, he came to the Ark of the Covenant. And they would carry the Ark of the Covenant into battle. This represented their God. This represented Yahweh. And do you remember when they marched around the walls of Jericho? They carried the Ark of the Covenant. They would take it into battle. People would know, oh, here come the Israelites. Why? Because it's being led by the Ark of the Covenant. This was a special place. And it was later placed in the Holy of Holies. Nobody could just go into the Holy of Holies. And you could only go in certain times of the year, because that's where the presence of God came. Well, the Ark of the Covenant was in this tabernacle, but it was made of tents, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't firm. It wasn't established. Well, they had this tabernacle, but they would still sacrifice at these high places. And Solomon was sacrificing, it says there, a thousand sheep. Well, it doesn't say sheep, but it says he used to offer a thousand burnt offerings at, at this place called Gibeon. It was his favorite place to go up and to worship the Lord. Well, he's there worshiping the Lord. The thing is, it may have been a pagan place to begin with, but Solomon is using it for right purposes. 
Because it says there, right, that he loved the Lord and he walked in the statutes of David and the commandments of the Lord and he is doing right. So when he comes to Gibeon, this high place, to worship to the Lord, he is doing it right from a heart of love for Yahweh. He's about 20-ish. His kingdom is established and he's just thanking the Lord. Then he goes to sleep. That's when God appears to him. God appears to him in a dream. And he says, ask what I shall give you. Anything you want. And you know what Solomon asked for? Unlike me, he doesn't ask for a thousand wishes and then wishes that never run out or a bag of gold that never runs out. He doesn't ask for that. Or athletic ability, the ability to dunk from the mid-court of the basketball court or long flowing hair he doesn't ask for stuff like that no solomon has got a heart after god at this point and he says you know lord you've shown me such love and such mercy and i am so thankful for what you have done for me but, you know, when I look to be a king, it seems pretty frightening. And I, I don't know if I can govern these people. He's got to make decisions in law courts. He's basically the supreme court of his land. He's got to make wise decision after wise decision. He's got foreign nations that want to destroy Israel and tear them down. And remember, Israel at this point is pretty prosperous under David. It grew and now Solomon inherits a prosperous nation, but other nations hate him. And he's got to make all these decisions and govern these people. And he's like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. And that's where he says, Lord... Yahweh, what I would like is an understanding mind to govern your people. Verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 3, he says, I want an understanding mind that I may govern your people. And he goes, I want to be able to decide between good and evil. Please give me wisdom is what he's asking for. I want to be wise. Now, wisdom in the Bible it says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the book of James in the New Testament says, hey, if you lack wisdom, you can ask of God. What is this thing called wisdom? Well, there's knowledge, you know stuff. You know, all this trivia, or you maybe know how to fix things, or you know some deep scientific knowledge. You know how atoms work and the planets rotate around the Earth. and So there's like scientific knowledge, there's trivia knowledge, there's historical knowledge. There's all this stuff you can know. But then there's wisdom. That's a different type of knowledge. That is applied knowledge for life. Yeah, you know all the stuff, but a wise person knows how to apply it to make right decisions. They know how to apply it to make their way through life. One person put it this way, you have a knowledge of a gun, how it works, how to pull the trigger, how to load the bullets, how to shoot it properly. But wisdom is knowing when to shoot the gun. Wisdom is knowing 
Hey, I better keep it in my holster. Oh, no, that person looks a little uh, suspicious. I'm not certain. A wise person knows when and how to use their gun. Knowledge says, hey, I know how to operate it. But there's lots of dumb people out there who use their guns improperly, right? A wise person, wisdom is applied knowledge. And that's basically what Solomon's asking for. He says, please... Give me applied knowledge. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Help me to know how to act. Well, God, when he hears that Solomon doesn't ask for wealth, that Solomon doesn't ask for good looks, that Solomon doesn't ask for many years of life, all he asks for is wisdom. God says that is the type of man I am after. And it says there in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, because you have asked for this thing called wisdom and not asked for long life and riches, he says, because you've done that, I'm going to give you wisdom. And he says, guess what, Solomon? I'm going to give you a wise and discerning mind. And then it says this, so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. And then God says, because I'm going to make you wise, I'm also going to throw in riches and honor. So you got it all. You're going to have long life. You're going to have riches and honor. You're going to have wealth galore. But it all starts with wisdom, applied knowledge. And he says, I'm going to give that to you. And notice what it says. There's going to be nobody as wise before or after. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. It says later on in the book of 1 Kings, he wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. Now, Proverbs are little sayings of wisdom. And we have a book in the Bible called Proverbs, which I would encourage you to read. You can read one chapter for every day of the month. There's 31 Proverbs. And it's full of wisdom. And if you started reading Proverbs every day and let that wisdom seep into you, and many of those Proverbs were written by guess who? Solomon. It also says later on in 1 Kings that he wrote 1,005 songs. Now, why he didn't write 1,010 or just 1,000, I don't know. But 1,005 songs. And again, these are wisdom songs, songs of beauty. Song of Solomon in our Bible is one of them. I mean, this man was prolific in his writing and out of him poured all this wisdom. And can you imagine... Nobody has been as wise and discerning before him, and nobody will be as wise and discerning as him afterwards. What a thing to be said of you. I would love that. But you know, the Bible does say we can be wise. And because of the Holy Spirit in us, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you know the Lord is your Savior, the Bible says, If any of you lacks wisdom, I just don't know what to do in this situation. You should ask God. 
We now have a direct line to God if you know the Lord is your Savior. And you can pray and say, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. Please help me in that moment when you're struggling for wisdom. What do I do? Pray. God says, I'll give you wisdom. I will grant you wisdom. Unlike Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, we have direct access to God and we can pray to him any time. Think of the power of that. And man, if only we'd use that more often, right? Well, Solomon, in his 20s, is the head of Israel, asks for wisdom at the beginning of his reign, and God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you wealth, and I'm going to honor your name. Your name is going to go throughout the whole world, and you are going to have riches beyond riches, and you're going to have long life, Solomon. And First Kings... From basically chapter 3 all the way to 1 Kings chapter 11 tells the story of Solomon and his wisdom. And in fact, at the end there in 1 Kings chapter 10, we hear the story of the Queen of Sheba who comes from the Middle East area near a country called today Yemen. It wasn't called Yemen back then. Sheba was the country, but it's that region. And here comes the Queen of Sheba to check out this wise king who has all this wealth she's heard about. And she's like, wow, I gotta hear this king. Well, the Queen of Sheba comes from afar to see this wise, wealthy king. But before that, we have an example of Solomon's wisdom in action. So yeah, all these people start to hear of it, but can you give me an example of Solomon's wisdom? What did he do that was so wise? Well, the Bible gives you an awesome example. And now remember, Solomon had to be a judge. He acted as a judge. People would come to him many times a day. Hey, you've got to work out my dispute. You've got to tell me what to do here. There's a problem here. He stole my land. He stole my stuff. What do we do here? What's the wise thing? And he had to make wise decision after wise decision. Well, the most famous decision that he made, and when this story broke, breaking news, everybody heard it, and they're like, whoa, what Solomon did there blew my mind. That was wisdom. That was knowledge and action. That's amazing. And what is that story? Well, it begins a little sadly. Two prostitutes come to him with a problem. So right away, he knows this is not going to be a pretty story. And and it's a sad story. These two prostitutes come to him, and they're both crying, and they're upset. These are not good women, but they've got a problem, and King Solomon has to listen to it. Well, I can imagine they come into the throne room, and the two women are fighting over, and one of them is holding in her arms a baby. Just holding this baby, and the other woman is trying to pull the baby from her, and the other woman's like, no, this is my baby. And the other woman's like, no, this is my baby, and they're yelling and screaming at each other. And then can imagine, Solomon says, hey, 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 what's the problem? I want to hear the problem. One of the women says, she's starting to weep. This woman over here, she stole my baby. King Solomon says, what? And the other woman says, no, this is my baby. 
And the other woman says, no, she stole my baby. See, what happened is, in the middle of the night, that woman there rolled over in her sleep, and I had my baby with me in my bed, and she had her baby with her in her bed. Well, she rolls over in the middle of the night and rolls on top of the baby and suffocates her own baby. Now, she didn't know what she was doing. She was asleep, but when she woke up, she realized she was on top of her baby and that the baby was dead. And so she, King Solomon, she gets up in the early morning hours. I sleep soundly. I don't wake up. And she comes and she takes my baby and puts in place her dead baby and then takes my baby back to her bed. And I woke up to feed my baby. I found my baby dead. But when I looked closely, I, I screamed, what? This isn't my baby. And when I look over, I see that she has my baby. And I tried to give my baby back. But she said, no, this is my baby. And it's not true. That's my baby. And the other woman said, no, 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 King Solomon, this is my baby. And she starts to cry and tells the story from her perspective how she rolled onto her own baby. And now she's trying to claim this baby as her own. And it's not true. It's not true. And so he's got two competing stories and is crying and weeping. And what do you do? How do you decide who is telling the truth? This is wisdom. What's the wisest thing to do here? Well, Solomon, remember, the most wise man that ever lived, does something absolutely brilliant. Go get a huge sword. And so they leave. And is this sword long enough? No, how about this sword? No, there. That's a nice long sword. All right. So in walks the court executioner with a big, huge sword and hands it to King Solomon. And King Solomon says, come forward. And the two women come forward and one's holding the baby who I'm sure, wah, wah, by now it's crying, wah, wah, especially when he sees the big sword. Wah, wah, ha, ha. He says, all right, to make this fair, we're going to chop the baby in half. And Solomon raises the sword above his head and, you know, the executioner grabs the baby and maybe he holds one end. The other executioner holds the baby by the head. So they've spread the baby out and Solomon raises the big sword above his head and he's about to chop the baby in half. And one of the women says, yes, I agree. Chop the baby in half so we each can have a half, which makes no sense. Would you want the top half or the bottom half? I want the legs. No, I would like the head. No, I mean, this. why would you want each half of a dead baby? But one of the women agrees with this. Yes, this seems fair. But the other woman screams, No, stop! She is so appalled. No, you can't chop this baby in half. This is my baby. I love him or her. I love this baby. You can't. Please, no. In fact, this woman says, J just give the baby to, to her. I'd rather the baby live 
That's my baby, but I'd rather the baby live than be chopped in half. Solomon drops the sword, puts it down. And he takes the baby from the woman who said, I want the baby chopped in half, hands it to the woman who cried out in defense of the baby, no, don't chop the baby. He said, now I know who the real mother is. Because the real mother would not want to harm her child. The real mother would give up the child before seeing her baby harmed. And he hands the baby to that woman. Man, what wisdom, right? What discernment in action. That's brilliant. And then this court case, like I said, goes out to all the world. and Everybody's like, whoa. And he's starting to write Proverbs. And people are reading his Proverbs. And they're like, wow, this is brilliant. And well, 1 Kings chapter 3, all the way through 1 Kings chapter 11, is just full of Solomon's wisdom. He properly rules Israel and breaks it down into 12 governorships. Wise move. He starts to get wealth upon wealth. People bring him gold. It says they bring him so much gold that silver becomes commonplace. Silver is a very precious metal. If you have silver, that's a very wealthy thing. Well, in Solomon's reign, we had so much gold, they had so much gold, that silver seemed cheap by comparison. And so we see his wisdom, we see his wealth. And then in First Kings there, we also see him build the temple for the Lord. Remember, he was serving at a high place. Well, now he gets to build this temple. And when you read about the wonders of this temple, it's amazing. He hires this guy named Huram, who is just skilled with sculpture and craftsmanship. And everything's built out of gold and cedar. And he builds the Holy of Holies with these huge angel cherubims with their wings outstretched. It's this beautiful place. And it shows his wisdom and his wealth. And God gives him the right to build this temple. And then he builds a palace which is even bigger. It took him seven and a half years to build this temple. Well, it takes him another 13 years to build this palace. And his palace is huge. And it's got gold and cedar and sculptures and carvings. And these were wonders of the ancient world. And people would come from miles around to marvel. And wonders upon wonders. The Queen of Sheba came all the way from the Middle East to check it out. And then on top of it, he gets married. Now he gets married to an Egyptian princess. And he mainly gets married to a princess to cement a foreign alliance to stop the Egyptians from doing anything bad. But he's got a wife and he builds her a beautiful palace as well. And in 1 Kings chapter 3 all the way to 1 Kings 11, we see the wealth and the wonder and just how God blesses him. And it says when God comes to dwell in this temple that there's a thick cloud, a thick smoke fills the whole temple. 
the presence of God is there and Solomon gives a prayer and honors God and he gives a sermon to the people telling them to honor God and he gets to experience the presence of God as he makes his way into this new temple built for the worship of Yahweh and the presence of the Lord is there and from the beginning of the age of 20 all the way to how old he is now at the end of chapter 10 it is exciting God has fulfilled his promise Solomon's wise Solomon's wealthy. Solomon gets the chance to build this beautiful temple to the Lord. And then he builds a palace. Oh man, everything is great. And on top of that, Israel is just humming along great. They expand their territory a little. Every person in Israel has enough to eat, has a great place to live. They're doing well. Their economy is through their roof. The Dow Jones average is just awesome. The people of Israel are happy. Nations around them are just in awe of what is happening to Israel. They are so impressed with King Solomon. And in the end, they're wondering, wow, who is this God Yahweh? Who is this God that blesses Israel and Solomon so much again and again and again and again? But then, something happens. And Solomon, who's the wisest man that ever lived, makes one of the dumbest choices of his life. Now, just because he's the wisest man who ever lived doesn't mean he listens to his wisdom. And he makes one of the dumbest choices of his life that leads to tragedy for Israel. Because God said, I'm going to bless you, but you got to do one thing. You got to follow me. You got to obey my commandments. And Solomon's doing that. It says there in 1 Kings chapter 3, he loved the Lord, he's doing that. And he's amassing wealth and wonder. And then he just makes one of the dumbest choices of his life. And you know what that is? Well, if you come back next week, you'll find out. You can read ahead 1 Kings chapter 11. But I just want to say this. Live wisely. Be discerning. Too many people just live for the moment. They live through their feelings or they live for their passions. They just do it because everybody else around them is doing it. That's not wise living, no. Wise living is, number one, the fear of the Lord, saying, I'm going to obey God. He's the one true God, and I'm going to obey him no matter what. And then once you have that fear, that awe, that reverence, then... You're going to want to start studying your Bible. Read a proverb a day. Read a chapter a day. It's full of wise ideas and wise thoughts. And then start to live that out. Begin to look through your biblical worldview lenses. And then, James 1.5, ask for wisdom. If you're really stuck, if you're really at a bad moment in your life, I don't know what to do. Ask God for wisdom. Study your Bible every day. And when you do hit those moments, a verse will pop up in your head. 
That's just not random. No, that comes from God. Be wise. Be discerning. No matter what age you are, if you've been living foolishly and living for the moment, you can start living wisely today. If you know the Lord is your Savior, that's the first step. Get saved. And then secondly, you can start living wisely today. We need more wisdom in our world. Let's start living wisely today. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.